you're listening to a message from Lifeway Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, please visit www.lifeway.church. Now, please enjoy this message from our pastor, Bruce Rhodes. Amen. I'm going to hijack Arisha's gift. Arisha, could you bring me that gift for just a moment, please? I promise, if I promise that I'll give it back, but I might look in it. And then I forgot to get a gift, so I just knew somebody would have a gift, and I just wanted to make an illustration with the gift. Is that all right? So we're talking about unto us. Unto us. It's not just a catchy King James phrase. You know, if if I was saying, I'm going to give this gift to Arisha, I would say, this is to you. Not unto you. Arisha, this is unto you. <laughs> but we, the title of the series is Unto Us. But what is unto us? A gift has to have a giver and a receiver. And normally it has a tag on there that says who it's from, right? Because when you're looking at gifts under your tree, you're like, well, who is this to and who gave this gift and we start trying to understand a little bit about what's in the package and how you know we determine that by who it came from so God is giving us a gift and it's got your name on it it's got my name on it it's from God and we're unwrapping This gift of Jesus, these four weeks, we're looking at what he means to us, what he brings to us. Last week, we talked about restoration and how he restores us. I used the illustration of the desk in my office. Somebody came in this week and said, that's the desk. I said, yeah, I'm going to keep it forever. Because at one point, I thought I was going to throw it away. It doesn't mean anything to me. It's just some, something that somebody passed on to me that was kind of like hand-me-downs and was torn up and scraped up and scratched up. And I don't even want to go through the trouble of messing with it. But somebody else restored it, gave it to me, and it, it came out so much more valuable and precious. And I love that illustration. And so today we're going to talk about Reconciliation. You know, these Bible words are important. I'll just leave it up here. Um, Bible words are important. We think, you know, well, the world doesn't even understand the word reconciliation. Well, have we taken the time to explain it? Because it's in the Bible. Now, the Bible wasn't written in English. Uh, The New Testament was written in Greek. We find the word reconciliation in Romans chapter 5. But we need to look at what that word means. What does the word reconciliation mean? Growing up as a child, did you understand what reconciliation meant? And the pastor's talking about reconciliation and God's reconciled us to himself and this and that and giving us this ministry of reconciliation and using the word and we don't even know what it means. How many can identify that that happens a lot of times? Just over my head. And I really believe that the Lord wants us to, to have a working knowledge of his word. So that, so that we can apply it to our life, so that it becomes a part of us. And so this morning, I really want to break that word down. And not so much in the Greek, because guys, I, I can't even pretend to be a Greek scholar. I haven't taken one class of Greek. 
I know people who have. I listen to them, and it's just amazing at how they have an understanding, a deep understanding of the Greek words. But I spend my time reading after them, not going to the same classes that they went to. You know, not everybody can be a Greek scholar, and not everyone's called to be a Greek scholar. So, but, but first, before we get into the definition of the word, I want to ex- uh, give a little illustration. So I was growing up, imagine that, some years ago, um, and I think I was probably uh, 11, 12 years old, and I was a Boy Scout, and um, we had, you know, 11, 12 years old, you have sleepovers, and guys that, we try to watch TV all night, that was the thing to do back, you're 11, 12 years old, you know, and so we slept in the living room on the floor, we made pat, what we called pallets, it wasn't the wood things that they call pallets, but it was just a, you know, fancy term for some blankets, and if you had a uh, sleeping bag, and of course, being a Boy Scout, I had a sleeping bag, so I was just a young Boy Scout, probably just a just a scout, because that's the first level in Boy Scouts. But I had these green boots that I had bought for Boy Scouts, because the green boots matched the uniform, and I was proud of my boots, and um, I'd just gotten, just gotten them probably for Christmas, but I was in there, and my friend was, I don't even know who slept over that night, but I, uh, we were still kind of, this was, we were watching cartoons. That was always a great thing to do on Saturday morning. That was the only time you could watch cartoons because it was in the days before VCRs. And so we couldn't stream anything or binge on anything or it was just Saturday morning cartoons. And so I noticed my brother came, come in, came in and he was like three years old and he had put, put my green boots on and he was walking in from my, my room in the back with my green boots on that I was proud of. And here was my friend and... My brother walks in with the green boots and, you know, everybody thinks he's really, he's really uh, cool because he got my boots. He's kind of cute because he's walking in these boots and, you know, a three-year-old walking in the boots like that could hardly move. But he got close to me and the attention was on him and, and so that kind of ticked me off a little bit. And so I went to grab the boots and when I did, he reared his foot back like that and I missed him and he did like that and kicked me right up in the nose and I, I was laying down on the, the floor he kicked me on the nose and it started bleeding and that made me more mad so I, I became hostile but I kept it inside because I, I didn't I was already ashamed I didn't want to make a mess of everything but I just like how dare he take my boots and then kick me in the face has something ever happened to you where a family member or a friend automatically, in a moment's time, became hostile, just an enemy? You were changed from a friend to an enemy or a family member to an enemy. And I was out to take my brother down, you know, all over green boots and a little kick in the nose. But we're going to be talking about friends and enemies today. Friends and enemies. God wants us as his friend is the reason that he reconciled us. He 
resolved the conflict is a better way to, to say the word reconcile. To reconcile means to change from enmity to friendship. From enmity to friendship. From, and enmity is being actively opposed or hostile to someone or something. That's what it means to be at enmity. To be at war, really. Opposing or hostile to someone or something. We have a lot of enmity in our society today, right? A lot of people that are just enemies. They're enemies of everything. And their greatest enemy is themselves. Just hostile. Just anger, seething, just opposed to everything. But God has resolved the conflict through the gift of Jesus. Our reconciliation. He's changed our relationship with him from an enemy to a friend. And how do you say, uh, you're, you're asking, how, how did I become an enemy of God? And that's a, that's a fair question. That's a good question. You know, some people grow up and they're just good. They never do anything bad. They've never hurt anyone. They're just good people. Well, if I'm good, how can I be an enemy of God? I never hurt him. I never kicked him in the nose with the green boots. <laughs> I never stole anything from God. But we become an enemy, like it says in Romans chapter 5. Let's look at Romans five ten, the New International Version. We become an enemy of God because of something somebody else did. Romans 5.10 says, For if while we were God's enemies, while we were God's enemies, and this is talking to all of us. This is not saying while, while some of you were God's enemies, others were not God's enemies. We were all God's enemies. While we were all God's enemies... We were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So we can see that we receive reconciliation as a gift in Jesus. But that reconciliation or that change from enemy to friend comes through Jesus. We were hostile because we were born into sin. In Romans 5 verse 12, it says, When Adam sinned, this is the, I believe, the Good News Version. The New International Version says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. I want to read you the, the Good News Version, or the Good News Translation. It says, When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. So we have to come to grips with that. We were guilty by association. Not because we did something wrong to God, but because our forefather rebelled against God. 
he disobeyed God and sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death and so death spread to everyone because everyone or for everyone sinned. So we have to come to grips with in Adam we're a part of the sin against God. We became an enemy just by being born on this earth because this earth is corrupt in sin. And we can see that. People without God, without acknowledging their relationship with God, with not having anything to do with God, are at enmity with each other, with themselves. They're just an enemy. Jesus also said, made this statement, if you're not for me, you're against me. Right? And so until we acknowledge Jesus, until we receive his gift of reconciliation, which is the gift that made us his friend, we are against him. We're against him. The DNA of the flesh contains sin. There's so many scriptures about the flesh and how it is sinful. There's not one good thing in it. You can take time to study that and, and, and learn more about how your flesh, when it's left to its will, and your flesh has a will, when you do what your flesh wants to do, it leads you to sin every time. Against what God wants to do. Against what God wants to do. Against what God wants to do. And so, we find ourselves where when our flesh is alive, when it does what it wants to do, our spirit is disconnected from God. And this is the break in the relationship. This is what turns us from this friendship with God to being an enemy with God. You know, the Word of God says that if we're a friend of the world, we're an enemy of God. If we're friends with the world. That doesn't mean that we can't make friends who live in the world. <laughs> you have to interpret Scripture rightly. The Bible tells us to make friends with people who live in the world. But the verse that says, if you're friends with the world, you're an enemy of God, means that you, if you habitually do what the world does, you'll end up opposing God. Right? Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1 in the New International Version, it says, makes this statement, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. You were dead in your transgressions and sins. We have to acknowledge that we were born in sin. Listen, you don't have to teach a child how, how to sin, right? They just, you, you think, they know, that's why... Uh, a lot of times pe parents will say that they're going through the terrible twos. Why, why do we label that terrible twos? Because they're finding out that they have a will. 
and they oppose what your will is. They find out that they can say, use the word no. Right? <laughs> Children don't have to learn how to sin because of the sin that's on the earth. And so unfortunately, when we were born, we were identified with Adam and we were an enemy of God. But fortunately, 2,000 years ago, over 2,000 years ago, God sent his son in flesh, wrapped in flesh, with a tag on it that said, to you, from God, and he brought reconciliation. The change from enemy to friend. And so that brings us to the next point. The friend of God. A friend of God. You know, our family went to see the... During the Thanksgiving, we went to see Mr. Rogers, or it was called a beautiful day. Beautiful day in the neighborhood or just beautiful day. And I grew up watching Mr. Rogers. I couldn't wait to watch Mr. Rogers. That was another thing that we didn't have a video, so we couldn't record, we, a video recorder, so we couldn't record it. So you had to appear in front of the TV at exact time. When's Mr. Rogers coming on? Okay, right after this commercial. We've got to be here. We've got to watch it, guys. We, we couldn't rewind it. We couldn't see it again. There was no other option. And so I enjoyed hanging out with Mr. Rogers. He was fun to me as a kid because he enjoyed what he was doing. There's many reasons. and I, I, could, I could preach many sermons on Mr. Rogers. Maybe I should have a series called Mr. Rogers and bring out all the points. But if you hadn't seen the movie, you need to go see the movie. It's really good. It has a lot of really good points in it. But he made this statement, or he comes in singing, you know. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Uh, neighborhood. A beautiful day for a neighborhood. And see, you guys are already singing it. But think about what the song is. He's excited about inviting you to be his Neighbor. Doesn't it sound like God's inviting us to be his friend? It's an invitation. It is an invitation, like a gift, has to be received. I can hold this out here and say, this is for David. This is for David. But if David never comes to claim the gift, then... David doesn't enjoy what's on the inside. God has reconciled us, but we have to receive it. He's called us a friend, but we have to call him our friend. Would you be mine? Would you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? <laughs> please, please, won't you be my neighbor? Hi, neighbor. <laughs> Can you say happy? <laughs> I was happy as a kid. I mean, I learned something from Mr. Rogers. He had great things to share. So we're going to talk about things that friends do, true friends do. But first, I want to read a scripture. This is a little bit different today, right? Do you kind of feel like Mr. Rogers? You hear, are you looking for the trolley to come out in the background? And I'm telling you, God wants to be your friend, and it's powerful. Being a friend of God is powerful. It's more than this song. I thought about the song, I'm a friend of God. You know, a lot of us sing that song like, I'm the only friend of God. 
I'm the friend of God. I'm the friend of God. I'm the friend of God. He calls me friend, but he calls you friend. And I'm just a friend, not his only friend. Right? Sometimes we're proud of our proud of our decision to make God our friend or we're proud that he made us his friend and we forget that he wants everybody to be his friend. 2 Corinthians 5:17. 2 Corinthians 5:17. This also in the Good News translation just reads it picks up some some of the Words that I want to hit on. Good news translation. I'm not sure if we've got it on the computer back there. But 2 Corinthians 5.17. Anyone who is joined to Christ is a new being. The old is gone and the new has come. Verse 18. All of this is done by God who through Christ changed us from enemies into his friends. I like that. God changed us from his enemies into his friends and gave us the task of making others his friends also. So here's what true friends do. You might want to write this down. Five things that I came up with. It's not an exhaustive list, but it is a list nonetheless. Five things that friends do. Real friends do. True friends do. Number one, they spend time together. They spend time together. God wants to spend time with you. Your friends want to spend time with you. In fact, your friends want to spend time with you, and they ask you to spend time, and as you say, I don't have time, I don't have time, I don't have time, they go down on your friends list. Is that right? Right? So we have to make time for each other. Making time for each other establishes value. Right? People rearrange their schedule to meet with you. If you don't show up, then they think that they're, you're not valuable. They're not valuable to you. And your friendship is not valuable. And so there's a break in the relationship. But God never stands you up. <laughs> he rearranges his schedule to meet with you. In fact, his schedule is always open to meet with you. God wants to be your friend. You're valuable to him. He's always there every time you want to meet. Spending time together. Number two, making memories with you. Friends like to make memories. And making memories today is it's a little more convenient because everybody... Everybody seems to have one of these. Most everybody, probably 98% of everybody has one of these. And so when we're together and we're at a special place or whatever, we do this and we turn it around and we click, making a memory, right? Snap. So that we have a record of where we were and what we were doing at the moment. It's a good thing. Because I believe true friends help you Look at the highlights. You know, even the phones right now, they'll take you in a year of review 
of 2019 or 2018 and they'll show you where you were. I mean, my phone is showing me where I was in 2019 and, and it, even Facebook is will come up to, you know, something. This was a great memory that you had four years ago. You're like, wow, I forgot about that. I'm going to kind of resurrect that or, or revive that. Right. So friends are are good about pointing you to the highlights. And I think God, as our friend, he points us to the highlights in our life. He doesn't want us to rerun the low lights. Right? The low lights. Forget about it. If it's under the blood, forget about it. And as a true friend, we should, we should help each other to forget about it. Just the past is the past at last. We always should point out the positives. True friends never continue to point out your faults. They always lift you up to the next level. They pull you up to the next level. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. We got to get to the top of the mountain. Come on. Let's remember the good times, right? Number three, true friends, listen to you. Got real quiet because I'm listening. You ever have a friend that just... And you don't ever get a word in edgewise. You never get to say what you want to say. That's a friend that kind of... Goes down on the list, right? If they're always doing the talking, then you think, well, maybe what I have to say is not even valuable to them. So it's kind of one-sided here. I mean, how much do you value me if you're not going to ask me a question and allow me the, the, the time to answer it? They listen to you. Guys, listen. If you're going to be a true friend, listen to your friend and understand what they're saying, not just hear what they're saying. If they're always complaining, maybe there's some hurt there. If they're always venting, maybe you should, the next time they do that, interrupt them and say, listen, I'm going to listen to what you're saying, but I'm going to pray at the end. Will that be okay? Can we pray together? Because I don't mind listening to what you're saying. And giving you my ear, but I want to give you my faith. God listens to us. I know sometimes he just listens to my complaining over and over and over. But, and then he'll wait for me to break and then say, hey, he says to me, when are you going to quit complaining? I'll show you what to do if you'll quit complaining. Listening is, is very important to have true friends because true friends listen. They listen to you in the good times. They listen to you in the bad times. They comfort you in your challenges. And every one of us have challenges and we all need friends. But God has made us his friend and good friends always listen without interrupting. Is that true? They help you find a solution. Maybe I don't know what to do right at the moment. And I understand, you know, you feel like your world is crashing in. But let's, let's go to God. Let's pray. Because I believe that God has multiple solutions for every problem. That's a person of faith. Man, I want to be a person of faith that can be a, a friend that can lift you up. And by the time we've talked, that you're, you're, you're energized. You're ready to attack Goliath. Right? 
Number four, true friends do this. They're always there for you. Always there for you. Loyalty. They're there when you need them in the hard times. They're there to celebrate with the, in, the, in the good times. They defend you. They've got your back. I want you to know this morning that God has your back. If somebody is bullying you and dogging you, you don't have to defend yourself. That's the way of the world. You have to defend yourself. You have to. God is your defense. Can I say it a little bit louder? God is your defense. He'll build a shield of protection around you, a shield of favor around you. And as long as you keep your eyes on him and your heart in the right place, he will defend you. A lot of times in the middle of the battle, we get our heart out of the right place. And then how can God defend you if you do something out on your own that he didn't tell you to do? Come on, guys. How does the pastor know that? Because it's happened to me. I say something too prematurely. I do something to try to defend myself too prematurely. And then I'm like, God, where were you? He says, uh, uh, I was back here. <laughs> Thank you very much. You just ran out ahead of me. Does that happen to anybody else? I mean, you guys are really like, I don't know. Who is that for? <laughs> he will defend you if you allow him to. Right? But you've got to stay in that safe place. He's your refuge if you run into the refuge and stay there. He's your hiding place if you hide. And when you're hiding, that means no coming out. You play that game when you were a kid. You go off and hide. Right? Count to 50 and we're all going to hide. So which one of you wanted to come out of that hiding place? Here I am. No, when you go to the hiding place, you stay in the hiding place. I'm going a little bit long on this point because somebody needs to hear that. God's your friend. He moved you from an enemy to a friend so that he could protect you, so that he could defend you. He's got your back. He's got your back. In the hard times, he's got your back. He's loyal. He won't turn on you. Doesn't matter what it looks like. Doesn't matter that Goliath is running his mouth. Doesn't matter. David and, and, and his mighty men came back to the camp and the enemy stole all of their women, stole all of their children, stole all, everything that they had and ran far away. But God never left them. God never left David. David said, we need to know what to do. And God answered when he called. And God said, go, overtake, and recover all of it, and I'll be with you. God's got your back. He's loyal. He'll always be there for you. Be there for your friends as well. The last thing, number five. Friends share. Friends share. They help meet your needs. Friends say, hey, whatever I've got, if you need it, it's yours. 
That's a big thing. You know, that requires giving. But a true friend gives. A true friend is involved in the relationship not for what they can get, but what they can give. It requires generosity. Now, a true friend says this, I'm not your source, and I can give you this much, but I know who this, my source is, and I'll believe with you. I'll pray with you. I'll stand with you so that God comes through. A lot of times in friendships, we become codependent, and it's like, hey, you're my source. You're my source. I've got to have you. I've got to have you. If you've got a friend like that, you need to turn them to the Lord. I'm not your source, right? But I can share what I have. We can go to the source, which is our Father. Right? Sharing what true friends do, sharing. So how do we become God's friend? Number one, he calls us friend. John 15, 15. John 15, 15, B. It's the second part of the verse. And this leads us to that song that we love to sing because we love to be called a friend by God. And I wasn't making light of that song when I talked about it earlier. I'm just saying sometimes we think it was our idea to be a friend of God. And we're proud to be a friend of God when actually it's a real humbling thing to be called the friend of God it requires humility. John fifteen fifteen. Jesus says, I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. And that was his purpose in calling us friends because he, there's some things that he wants to share with us that he knows that we don't know. And he knows it because he's, he is God. And as our friend, friends share things that they have with their friends. And so Jesus wants to share with us. That's why he calls us his friends. He's called us his friend. But we, again, we have to accept that friendship. You know, maybe when you were in school, I'm sure you did. I did all the time. See notes like this. Will you be my friend? Y or N, circle, you know, circle one. Did, did you guys ever do that in school? Back when we had pencils, these things called pencils, paper. <laughs> now they probably just text each other, respond back. But I, caught, I got caught in first grade trying to get a girlfriend with a note. Will you be my girlfriend? And the teacher got it. And you know what the teachers do. Come up here in front of the class. Let me have that note. Read the note in front of the whole class. So that cured me from sending notes during class. God is saying this morning, you guys will never forget this message. Will you be my friend? There's an invitation. So there has to be an acceptance. There's a gift given, but it has to be received. Will you be my BFF. I'm God's BFF, best friend forever. What a thing for God, the God of the universe that created the heavens and the earth, 
to say to you, you're my friend. You're my friend. So the second thing that we do to become God's friend is what Jesus said in John 15, 14. One scripture before that. First, we have to accept his friendship, but then Jesus said, you're my friends if you do what I command. So it's a different type of friendship. If we obey him, then we become his friend. He wants us to not just make him our friend, but he wants us to make him our Lord. And that friendship, that relationship, that covenant partnership, then becomes uh, official. When we, when we say from our heart, I'm giving you my life, I want to be your friend, I accept your friendship, and here's what I promise, that I will do what you ask me to do to the best of my ability. Notice Jesus did not say that you had to be perfect. He didn't say that. He just said, my friends are those who choose and make a decision to do what I ask them to do. And so, that's what I want us to do today. If you've never received this gift of friendship with the Lord, he wants to be your friend. Looking back on Second uh, Corinthians five seventeen, it says, "Anyone that is joined to Christ is a new creature, a new being. The old is gone; the new has come." And this is all done by God, who through Christ changed us from His enemies into His friends, and gave us this task of making others His friends also. So, this is the question. There's couple of questions this morning at the very end. Will you be God's friend? Will you do what he wants you to do to be his friend? He's already called you his friend, but he wants you to choose that, accept that, and then commit to doing what he wants you to do. If that's you this morning, then I want to pray with you for, for, for just a moment. If everybody, you just stay right there where you are, and we're going to pray because I sense that they're, Somebody is making a decision this morning, whether it's here in the room, whether it's somebody that's watching or listening to the audio later, you need to make a decision to make God your friend. It's an invitation of a lifetime. When he calls you a friend, it's not just until the end of the year. No, he is committing himself. He has committed himself through his son, Jesus, for eternity. And so if you're willing to say, that's me today, and I want to do that, and I'm committing to do what he wants me to do, let's pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, I declare my friendship with you by accepting your friendship. I am your friend. Because of what Jesus did. And I accept that Jesus Christ 
is the Son of God. That he came to this earth. Was born of a virgin. He shed his blood. And died for me. He was put in a tomb. And he raised from the dead. And he's alive forevermore. And I accept that friendship. Through Jesus. Today I want to commit. To be your friend. To follow Jesus. And do all that you ask me to do. Thank you, Father, for making me part of your family and calling me friend. Now, if you did that, what you've done is made Jesus your Lord. To commit to follow him and obey him is making Jesus Lord. There's a process behind that decision. But God gives you the grace to enter into this relationship and follow that process. Again, God doesn't expect you to be perfect overnight. And because of that, he has given you the grace to begin to walk out and live what he's asked you to do. So powerful, guys. But it's so simple and it begins, it begins with relationship. And it's all about relationship. So look up here for the, for the second question. It's our task. It's our message and our gift to the world. The same way that we, we received Jesus, who made us into a friend from an enemy, will we be bold enough to do the second part? To take this task, it says in 2 Corinthians, it says, All this is done by God, who through Christ changed us from enemies into his friends and gave us the task of making others his friends also. There was also something that Jesus said we've freely received and so we freely give, right? It would be wrong for us to hold Jesus to ourself and not bring others into the kingdom. 2 Corinthians 5, 19 says, Our message is that God was making all human beings his friends through Christ. God did not keep an account of their sins and he has given us the message which tells how he makes them his friends. So in this season of love, joy, and peace, will you speak to someone this week and tell them, God's not mad at you. God has changed us from an enemy to a friend. And let me tell you how he's done that. And just go back over these scriptures that you heard this morning in the message. It's, it's very easy. Won't you be God's friend? Won't you be? Because we care for people. We're not just 
taking this gift for ourselves, unwrapping this gift for ourselves, and enjoying this gift for ourselves. There's so much more to it. This is our task. The conflict has been resolved. And God's resolved the conflict that he had with man through his son, Jesus Christ. And we have to tell people that God's not mad at them. And they're not his enemy. God has one enemy. And it's Satan, the devil. He created hell for Satan, not for people. Church, we've got to quit. looking at people in their current state and see that God has transferred them from an enemy to a friend. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for inviting us to be your friend and for doing what it took. Even 2,000 years before we were ever on this earth, you did what it took to resolve the conflict and to bring us into this place of friendship to, that we would be, no longer be enemies but we would be called your friend we treasure this so much so that we, we must share we must say that you're not mad at people you're not angry and holding their sins against them that through Jesus you've resolved this conflict Help us this week. Strengthen us. Empower us. Speak to us. Lead us and guide us. Open our eyes so that we see the opportunities before us to share Jesus. Where there's true hope, true love, true joy, and true peace. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. We give you permission. Everybody stand. Say this with me. I give you permission to use me. Lead me and guide me. And speak through me this week. Empower me and energize me. Help me to see the opportunities. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Mm -hmm. Feel like singing, I'll be back when the day is new. <laughs> what what a inviting gospel we have. Guys, it's not not place judgment God through Jesus has already judged the world if you need prayer this morning I want you to come forward as everybody comes uh, if you're on the team this morning if you please come forward anything that you need prayer for those that are praying this morning if you'll just take your place I'm going to pray one last time but and then we'll be dismissed but if you need prayer if you need hands laid on your body Mark 16 says we lay hands on the sick and they recover in this closing prayer, I'm going to pray for Ken Getzelman, who is into the emergency room this morning. He's back home now. It was uh, some issues maybe with his blood pressure and his nose was bleeding. And so they took care of him and he's back at home now resting for a few days. But um, 
if you know those around you, beside you, if your neighbor is, is dealing with something physical, step out this week. Step over the line and connect with them. Pray for them. Make, bake some cookies. It's a great time of the year, you know. Heavenly Father, thank you for healing today. And we pray for Ken. And we pray for others that we know that are dealing physically. We thank you that your healing power flows into their body. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast. If you'd like to join us in reaching others by partnering with us today, you can give online by visiting us on our website at lifeway.church forward slash give. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast. And remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this.